You are listening to audio from Genesis Community Church. To find out more, visit us online at genesiscommunity.church. This is going to sound a lot better. Microphones work better when they're on. Thanks, Derek. Derek also has a ministry of telling people to push buttons, and he's just serving so faithfully in it. Uh, it's, it's hard at all ever, uh, something about our, our culture, it's hard ever to say anything about money. Um, uh, other cultures aren't so embarrassed about money, but for some reason ours is. Uh, so it's, it's always a hard thing, but uh, Blaine has served really faithfully, and, and especially this morning. Thanks, brother, for just uh, being willing to address that. Um, and I know the Lord's working on our church. Uh, so that leads into something which isn't an interesting timing. Uh, Matt Akers and I uh, were just messaging uh, each other yesterday, and he was bringing up how interesting it is that um, a long time ago, months ago, we planned to have a Global Missions Sunday and, and put a special emphasis on the nations and what the Lord is doing to reach the nations, what the Bible says about the nations and about them coming to faith in Christ and how they'll come to faith in Christ. And, uh, and of course, a part of that is that we want to point your attention to areas where you can give prayer uh, prayerfully, financially, all those things. And then here on the very same Sunday, it became necessary for us to talk about just our own needs as a church family and what the Lord's doing to supply for those through us. So uh, here, here's what we ended up landing on. Not just Matt and I, but, but the elders and, and Blaine talking together is this, that we are not a church who's just trying to scrape by. We want to be a church who is generous, who is open-handed, who's free and joyful in our giving, not that any dollar we ever let go of is kind of begrudging, well, I I guess we could let go of it, but we would rather be a church where we're so generous and joyful in our giving that, that as each one of us gives, as the Lord has put into our hearts, it creates a resource for us to be able to not only take care of the ministries of the church, for the needs of, of you all, the people in the church, whenever a need arises, but also to be able to give outside of that to what the Lord is doing to build his kingdom in the world among every nation, every people, where every language is spoken, that the gospel could be preached and believed on and that the Lord could be trusted in saving faith. That's, that's the kind of church we want to be when we speak about our finances. So a, a step in that direction is for us to be um, willing to be open-handed and joyful in our giving so that we can work towards more generously giving uh, to what the Lord's doing overseas. And that's why we're here. So of those three priorities that Blaine mentioned, you realize that the list of things that we could give to and that would be good and important things that the Lord cares about, we're talking about the top three out of dozens and dozens of things that we could give money to and it would be good We're talking about the top three. So, of course, Blaine is trying to draw attention to a priority of taking care of needs in-house so that we'll be free to take care of this third priority. But it doesn't mean that the third priority is the last priority. It's the third out of many, many priorities uh, and a really important thing to us because it's important to the Lord. So, What Matt and I are hoping to do this morning is direct your attention to what the Lord is doing, what his word says about what he's doing, that we wouldn't be surprised that we would turn our attention to the nations, that we wouldn't be surprised that people are giving their lives 
for people around the world to hear the gospel. We want to go to the scriptures and see what the Lord has been doing all this time. So I want to take you initially on a bit of a biblical tour. And I'm just, it's, I mean, it's going to be kind of machine gun scripture at you. If you were trying to keep up, praise God. You must have like won the Bible drill in fifth grade. But we're going we're gonna to blast through some scriptures, and then Matt is going to follow up with you and show you how you can become practically involved in what the Lord is doing. So just, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago, we were in Genesis chapter 12, and verse 3, at the very end of it, in verse 3, God is speaking to Abraham, and this is the first time that God speaks to Abraham, and he, and he announces that he's going to set Abraham apart for himself to establish a nation, and he's going to bless Abraham and cause Abraham to become a blessing to others. And this is how the Lord, out of the Lord's own mouth, the way he describes the blessing that Abraham is going to become. At the very end of Genesis 12, verse 3, he says, In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a, a drastic statement, isn't it? a sweeping, global, forever kind of statement because there just weren't a couple of families of one nation for a certain specific time, but all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So with that in mind, as we turn our attention to the Lord and his word, let's pray and seek his help. Lord, we're trusting you this morning to lead us, to teach us to help us to understand your heart so that we can align our hearts in submission and joyfully joining with you in the work that you are doing. Lord, we realize that it is a miraculous work of your spirit that sets us apart to be your children, to follow Christ. As the song said, it's a ridiculous thing to think that in our own strength we could obey your commands. Even this command that you gave to make disciples of all nations, Lord, we know that it has to be a work of your Spirit. So please show us what your Word says this morning. Teach us and drive these truths into our hearts. Let us become convinced fully that your truth is the truth so that we would arrange our lives around it. Our lives, Lord. Not just a portion of our thoughts, not just a few dollars, or some occasional prayers, or some space on a wall. Lord, would you have us arrange our lives around what you're doing to make your name great in the earth? And we ask you for this help in Jesus' name. Amen. So, later on, as we said, uh, uh, when we were preaching this text in Genesis the Apostle Paul gives us some help to understand what it was that the Lord was saying here to Abraham. So in Galatians 3, verses 5 through 9, this is what Paul says. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, that is, everyone who's not Jewish, that is, everyone who has their home outside of Israel, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, preached the gospel to him, saying, 
In you shall all the nations be blessed. So Paul correctly interprets families as nations. So then, Paul says, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So God was establishing a kingdom, a nation, if family in the world that's core, that's heart, was faith in God, and this family was going to be stretched out among the nations. In fact, every nation, every family would be represented in this kingdom that the Lord was establishing. Now, fast forward over a thousand years to the book of Psalms, and King David is writing and he's worshiping. He's just exalting the Lord. He's exulting in what the Lord has done and who the Lord is. And you know that David has fought Many battles, he's been chased down by foreign kings, foreign kingdoms, surrounded at times. The Lord has miraculously delivered them and given him victory in battles. And yet his mindset about the nations is not always that they should be destroyed. But listen to what he says, Psalm twenty-two, twenty-seven: All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Now there we have families and nations together, a comprehensive idea. Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Selah. Stop and think. Now listen to this. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you, he exclaims. All the peoples. Psalm 72, 11. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. Psalm 86, 9. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Psalm 96, 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Now fast forward another 750 or so years and Jesus is walking the earth. He's ministering. He's preaching the gospel, proclaiming the kingdom of God, that it is at hand, that it has come, that it's among us in the earth. And after a few years of walking with his closest disciples, he gives them this commission. Jesus came and said to them, Matthew 28, 18 through 21, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, when he begins that way, what he means to do is capture the attention of the disciples saying, whatever comes next is absolutely, undeniably authoritative, no matter who you're talking to, no matter where you live in the world or what your objective in life is, stop everything and obey this one thing. Go, therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. All nations. Jesus had told them before in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The end being his return, the consummation of his kingdom, when he'll 
finally and forever conquer sin, conquer Satan, gather all of his people to himself, make a judgment about who is his and who is not. He'll make all things new, and all who belong to him will gather with him around his throne and worship him in perfection and in unity, undivided from him forever. All nations. Now fast forward just a little while later. Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples. And about 50 days later, you have the day of Pentecost come. The the believers are gathered together somewhat in fear of what's happening because Jesus is gone now. And the Jews are railing against the kingdom and against the teaching of Christ and those who belong to him. So they're hiding in a room somewhere praying together in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, that is, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, listen to this. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Every nation. But you're thinking just Jews. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. People who weren't ethnically Jewish, but who had become Jewish by conversion. People from every nation. Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And of course we know Peter stands up among the apostles and begins preaching the gospel, proclaiming the kingdom in Christ to those people, and 3,000 people that very day were saved and baptize people from all over the world. Among the people who are disciples at this time is a man named Stephen. He's full of the Holy Spirit and a gift for evangelism. And he's stoned for his testimony about Christ. At this time, Saul is standing there approving of his execution. And there arose on that day, this is Acts, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So regular, everyday believers who were relatively new in their faith were scattered because of persecution, the Lord sending them out to all these regions of Judea and Samaria. So the first missionaries sent by God outside of Jerusalem were not the apostles, but were the members of the church. Then in Acts 9, a man named Saul, who had hated Jesus and his followers, is knocked off of his horse, blinded by the appearance of Jesus, who preaches the gospel to him, sets him apart as an apostle to the Gentile nations of the world. In Acts 10, Peter is told by God to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. He does it, they start getting saved. 
In Acts 13, the Holy Spirit speaks to the leaders of the church in Antioch, that's modern-day Syria, tells them to send Barnabas and Saul out to proclaim the gospel to the nations, the work for which he set them apart. Saul, who later became known as Paul, eventually preaches the gospel and oversaw church planting efforts in Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, Thessalonica, Rome, many other cities and villages along the way in the Mediterranean world, the Greek-speaking world, perhaps even as far as Spain, which was in that day the end of the earth. And among these disciples who'd been made, among these churches that had been planted, at the cost of their own lives, men and women proclaimed the good news of the kingdom to the nations. Men and women whose names you don't know. Think of the impact of people like you, filled with the Spirit, trusting in Christ, knowing that God is saving the nations, giving their lives to this end. It's easy for us when we speak of global mission, and that's what today is. Today we were very careful to not call this Mission Sunday because mission is happening here. It's happening all around us, every day at your job, inside your home, in your neighborhood. Mission is always happening, but today we're specifically turning our attention to global mission. And it's easy for us when we read the scriptures, when we read the Acts of the Apostles, to get the idea that it was only the apostles who ever did any of the ministry of the early church. But can you imagine all the names that you can remember from the book of Acts? Of course, you've got apostles, famous. Some, some of you may not even be able to remember all of the apostles' names but you know you've got Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and, and then you've got guys like Philip and Stephen who were famous figures and evangelists in the scriptures, and the Lord worked mightily through them. Then you've got disciples who came later on, like Timothy and Titus and Barnabas and, and Silas and people like this that the Lord worked powerfully through, and you know their names. And if you're a real student, you may know some other names. But listen, do you really think that the entire known world came to hear of Christ through 20 people, 25 if you're a real scholar, the bulk, the majority of the evangelistic, missional, church-planting, disciple-making work that happened in the first century was done on the backs of people whose names you don't know because they're people like you. They're people like me not famous, not remembered by history, just faithful to the call. Because God is God of the nations, and he put it in their hearts to preach to the nations. Now, let me return to what Jesus said in Matthew 28. The disciples should be made among all nations. I want you to think for a moment about being a first century figure, which Jesus was. Now, when Jesus is speaking about all nations, and when he speaks about the end of the age, and when he thinks about the end of the earth, 
when those early disciples were thinking, we'll go as far as we can go until we hit the sea, we will proclaim the good news of the kingdom to those that we come across. When you imagine them thinking about the end of the earth, even in Jesus' own mind when he spoke those words, you realize you're sitting in it. You are sitting in the end of the earth. We could not be farther from where they were when they spoke those words and thought those thoughts. So we have to make a reversal in our thinking about the nations. We're among them. We are a Gentile nation. We, we are experiencing the benefits of faithful brothers and sisters whose names we don't know because they answered a call to get outside of their lives, leave homes, leave families, just as Jesus said, if you're not willing to leave father and mother and home for my sake, then you're not worthy of me. And they were willing. And they went and they gave And it's because they gave that we're sitting here worshiping this morning. It's because of them that we know. Like Paul said in Romans 10, if no one sends them, how will they go? And if no one goes, then how will they hear? Someone sent, someone went, we heard, we believed. We're worshiping Christ this morning with with his word in our laps because of the response to God's call to the nations. So we can't think of ourselves as as some kind of modern-day Jerusalem. That's not what we are. We're the end of the earth. We're a Gentile nation who's been reached. But do you know how many unreached nations, unreached families, unreached people groups there are in the world today? We can't begin to imagine. If you you look at a map, uh, there's, there's a really a fascinating, really helpful website called Joshua Project. And uh, maybe Matt will mention it in just a few minutes. But if you get on that website, uh, it, it will show you unreached people groups. And it will show you the location of those people groups and their names and a description of them and how they live and what their spiritual beliefs are and things like that. Even if they have none, it will tell you all about them. And what's interesting is If you look at a certain part of the world, you'll see dots. Green dots mean that they've been reached. Yellow dots mean they've been somewhat reached, but there's not a lot of progress for the gospel in that place. And a red dot means it's completely unreached, which normally means that the percentage of Christians among those people is like 1% or less, 2% or less among the total population. And if you look at Northern Africa sweeping across to the east, across Central Asia, the Middle East, into India and East Asia, you will see nothing but a sea of red dots so close together and so numerous that the entire part of the world is covered and you can hardly see what country you're looking at. Red dots for miles. Unreached people many of whom don't even have the scriptures in their language, many of whom have never heard the name of Jesus spoken, even in a language not their own. No one has ever gone. No one has ever preached. Why? Because it's hard. Because it's hard. But is it harder than those precious saints throughout the century who gave 
everything so that we might sit in this room right now and worship Christ. It's not harder. What we're trying to do this morning as, as just a launching point is showing you that the heart of God has always been that the nations would be gathered around his throne in eternity to worship him. Abraham, throughout the Psalms, Jesus' own mouth, the disciples, the apostles. If the nation's coming to know Christ is not a priority for us as a church, then we're unhealthy, then we're wayward, then we're rebellious, or at best, immature. But we know, we know, the scriptures are open in front of us and we can see the heart of God. So what Matt wants to come and do now is explain some of these scriptural principles how they apply to us, how the Lord's working these things out in the world today, and how we can all be involved in reaching these people. Amen. We could have just ended there, but it's really good. But God is doing amazing things. And uh, what I want to do, at least, is kind of highlight more detail what is the un, what does the unfinished task really look like and then i want to just see what let you know what god is doing about that and how we can take part in it, it's such a privilege how we can even take part in what god is doing but that's very true we can and we should and we must and lastly i want to finish with prayer if you look in front of you there's these little prayer cards see that you're kind of wondering what they are. I'm glad you didn't let your children tear it up, but that's good. <laughs> but uh, we want to be specific in praying for individual um, people groups, all right? So Patrick, great job of expounding through Scripture on these nations. Let me find my slide presentation here. Okay, he, he was talking about People groups, nations. A nation is an ethne in Greek. It's actually an ethnic people group. He, he pretty much expounded on most of all these verses here. And an ethnic group is basically, an, a people group is an ethno-linguistic group with a common self-identity. They share, that it's shared with each member of the group. They have, there's two parts to this word, is ethno and linguistic, obviously, ethno is share a common ethnicity and a sense of family, clan, common history and customs. Now, whenever Yoshiko and I, we were um, in the Philippines, we, we had some, several friends who were, who were from Burma. And uh, most of them were from the Kashin, I think I'm getting this name right, Yoshiko, it's Kashin group. Reached by a missionary back in the 17, I think he, was, he arrived in 1778. And he focused on this people group, and, and many of this, in this tribe, this people group, became a Christian. And we saw the fruit of his labor. They were studying in the, in the seminary where, where we were. It was so fascinating to see them there. And it was exciting. But uh, basically, they all shared the same common name as a Kaishin group. So um, if we look at the next slide here, we, sometimes we get mixed up with the word country or when we think of, oh, this missionary is going to this particular country, it says 
on the left we see here is the country of Nigeria. It's one country, but there are actually 250 nations, people groups, in that one country. Oftentimes we don't think about that. We think about, oh, there's maybe like, if we would say our, our, our missions organization has sent 20 missionaries, which is great, to the country of Nigeria. But, but actually there are 250 nations that need to be reached. So that's how you have to think about not a political aspect of it, but a biblical aspect of the country. Are the nations being reached in this country? That's where we have to focus. That's where we have to stay. Now, um, question, how many people groups do you think there are total? Any idea? You can t speak up. Thousand? Any other? Two thousand? Getting closer. There are 16,600 people groups, a lot of people groups in the world. Now, now what about the unreached people groups? This is what we want to focus on. Now, also I'm going to make point here is that these are ballpark numbers. There's many different uh, statisticians, is that what you call it, have different numbers. But this is like a ballpark between like 10%. Uh, so you might study like the... The Joshua Project, you might study another organization who are calculating, but you might find different numbers, but it's very much in the same ballpark. So if you're researching and say, oh, Matt's numbers were wrong, I'm just telling you in advance, there's going to be slight differences. So anyway, that's okay. But what is an unreached people group? First of all, an unreached people group is an ethnic group without an indigenous, self-propagating Christian church movement. Not enough Christians to evangelize the rest of the nation. Basically, it's less than 2% of the population. There is evangelical church there. You will find there's a less than 2%. This is what an uh, unreached people group is called. Basically, there's no chance for them to hear the gospel. There's no access to the gospel. There's no Bible in their language. There's no church in the next not street. We're, in our nation, we can go down one street and find multiple churches we can visit. There, in, in, a, in a people group, you can't find any church hardly to visit. You have to wrap your mind around that. We have to have a biblical understanding of the nations. And basically, the, there are 6,700 unreached people groups there. You have to think about that as well. Out of all the people groups that are there, there's about 40% are, are unreached. I have to wrap our mind around that. So where are these unreached people groups? They're located in what's called the 1040 window. Basically, the, okay, we lost something here. Can you guys pull it up? That wasn't me. All right, cool. So... If you see the latitude and lines, it's 10, and one above that is 40. So that's a 10-40 window. Five out of six unreached people groups are in this window. That's where they are, and that's where we must go. That's where we must go. Now, um, what Patrick was saying earlier about those dots, I actually found this slide. I was going to show you. Can you click? I, don't, I can't control the uh, animation. Can you click the next one beyond that? You'll see the, oh, okay, it's not going to come up. But anyway, it had the red dots that he was talking about. It was in that 1040 window. You, see the, you'll, you would see the, uh, all the red dots he was talking about, like a mass of red dots. I don't know why it's not coming up here, but it's um, definitely a challenge. And that's what I want us to focus on is the challenges of the unfinished tasks, task here. Now, 
what do you think what makes an unreached people group? Actually, let me back up here. I wanted to show you a few of these other areas here. Okay, and we have the Arab world peoples. There's 441 unreached people groups. Eurasia has 176 unreached people groups. Now, Sub-Sahara has 671 unreached people groups. The Horn of Africa, 72. Persian median peoples have 303 unreached people groups. The Turkic peoples have 296 unreached people groups. South Asia, basically India, has 2,877 people groups, unreached people groups. That's a lot. Tibetan Himalayan peoples is 474 unreached people groups. This has a slight delay, I apologize. Southeast Asia has 460 unreached people groups. Malaysian peoples are 339. So there's a lot of unreached people groups. Now, what do you think are some of the, let me back up here. What do you think are some of the challenges you might face? I'm going to try to make this interactive. What do you think are some of the challenges of reaching these people? I had a missionary friend of mine. He said, Matt, all the easy countries are taken. <laughs> and so he says, yeah, it's very sobering thought, but it's very true. Any, any ideas? What makes it unreachable or difficult? Uh, Cynthia, look like you're about to say something. Language. Very, very good. Yes, ma'am. Government is against it, yes. Very, very difficult to reach when the government's against it. Anyone else? Access. We're in this, we're in this behind us, some mountain you can't really climb up without dying. That's very hard to reach, that people group there. Yes? Finances, you're right. Very good. You guys are all on it. Now, I'm going to focus on basic four of these aspects of why is it difficult to reach these people. The first one is, as you were saying, young lady was saying, of restricted access. It's very difficult when the government is repressing your people, systematically imprisoning pastors and, and Christians, church members, and, and executing them. It's very difficult when you're dying, <laughs> you know. Uh, that is... Here's a list here. Open Doors has this world watch list of the top 10. There's more than this, but this, these are the top 10 nations that are most persecuted in the world. North Korea, obviously, is number one. Somalia, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, Sudan, Iran, Pakistan, Eritrea, Nigeria. Open Doors was saying that last year, 2016, was out of the 25 years that they were keeping records of those who. Last year was the highest number of persecution. It's getting more and more severe, more and more difficult. I, I heard this one pastor saying whenever they try to witness the Muslim, their Muslim people in their country, they try to witness people, he would, he would say, now that you're a Christian, you want to share people the gospel, pick at least five people whom you know will not kill you. At least start with them. And tell them about Jesus. Think about that. We don't have that issue here. But they want to share the gospel. They want to share people with the hope that they have. They want to share the Christ, the good news. But he says, at least start. Don't try to get killed the first time out. At least pick five people whom you know won't kill you first. Imagine our discipleship program here in this church. What if he said that to you? So <laughs> We're not there yet, but maybe. Now, imagine reaching people in these regions um, I've heard stories of one pastor in Sudan 
who wanted to bring Bibles to the church there in Sudan. So he had to find out, figure out a way to cross the border. I think I might have told some of you this, but he found out that if he can get inside these caskets that were going over the border, inside these dead bodies, you fill them up with Bibles, and he himself would get inside this casket, get under this, underneath this dead body to go over the border to this very difficult place so he can spread God's word. It's difficult when we think about it. And it's very difficult for us to go next door to tell our neighbor about Christ. But this guy is willing to be under a dead body. Think about that. That's amazing. Think about that. Now, I want, to, uh, want you to look in the back. This is called Voice of the Martyrs. I have several magazines back there. I want to encourage you to take, take some of these home and read them. When you're done, turn it, you know, so someone else can read it. But I want to encourage you to really think what's going on in the nations. So you can, be, you can be thinking about them and praying for them, of the unreached peoples, of those who are being martyred and killed. Think about them. Okay, the next thing we have here is a challenge because of the people group itself. First of all, um, they're, in, they're difficult to penetrate. These regions are very difficult to penetrate. First is geographic barriers. They're remote, harsh climate. Think of in Mongolia, you uh, have the vast fields that are there. You have one tent here, maybe 10 miles over here. You have another tent there. 20 miles here, you have another tent over there. Now imagine trying to collect everyone for a church on Sunday morning. You know? So uh, it's difficult. Or you have mountains of, uh, of, of Himalayan mountains trying to reach them. I definitely, I, th- I probably would die just like uh, oxygen deprivation or something, just reaching them. But it's very difficult areas to reach. Linguistic barriers is one aspect. Some of these people can't even read. So that's a barrier. There's no scripture in their language. Some people don't even have a, a language that's, uh, that, that you can read in that language. There's nothing written. Um, what do you call that? Um, ling- linguistic region. Um, there's the technical term. I'm very bad at that, but it's okay. But uh, they don't even have a books in their language yet. So there's another difficulty is cultural barriers, persecution we talked about. But some kind of, uh, people groups are just closed to change. They don't want foreigners coming inside. They don't want the white man's religion. That's what you hear a lot over there. They'll say that. Um, it's reviewed as foreign. We don't want to hear this. You will change our custom and our culture. And so these are difficult th- barriers we have to think about and pray about. Now, I want to show you a video. You guys can uh, get that primed up here. That kind of highlights the next two. Uh, okay, go ahead. It's a very sobering thought. These next two points, that's what he focused on here, is the, just the missionary distribution itself. Hey, hang on a second. Basically, out of all the, uh, especially with missions, 80% of the manpower... 80% of the manpower of all our missions efforts are going to areas that have Christian influence already. That's amazing. About 2.5, he was saying 3% in the video, he's saying 3% of all the manpower used to reach the unreached people groups, uh, reach, reach, reaching missions is going to unreached people groups. That's very, very scary. That's very sad. 2.5 to 3% of the manpower is being used to reach unreached people groups. 
one-third of the, of the world's population who have never heard of the gospel. Very sad. And also, he said, the, just the, the budget itself, the money, I found this here. Um, for every one, $1 of Christian giving to all causes, have, how much has gone to the church planning among unreached people groups is less than a penny. Less than a penny. That's very, very sad. Very sad. But despite of all what is negative we're seeing, how difficult it is, the challenges, God is actually moving. That's, this is very encouraging. The next aspect I want to share here is how encouraging it is. God is still moving. Praise God, he's not depending on just our flesh alone to get it done. God is moving in a mighty power. This um, growth, or this here, shows the dramatic growth of what God is doing in the nations. These are the top 20 countries where Christianity is growing the fastest. Nepal, China, UAE, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Oman, Yemen, Mongolia, Cambodia, Bahrain, Benin, Burkina Faso, South Sudan, Bhutan, Mali, Brunei, Guinea, Kuwait, Singapore, and Turks of Caucasus Islands. God is moving in a mighty way in these areas. God is moving rapidly. Very interesting when you look at these points here, when you look at these nations, not a single country listed here is in Europe or North America or Latin America. It's the difficult countries, difficult regions that we talked about where the church is growing the most, the rapid. If you look at uh, just in America, sometimes it's easy to get discouraged. Oh, really, the church is declining. You hear maybe news on CNN or Fox, how the church is diminishing. You know, if you just focus on America itself, it's easy to be depressed. Oh, God, what's wrong with you? You're, You're losing out, God. But God is moving mightily in the nations so rapidly. In the hardest regions, he's moving Uh, it's very interesting, too, in, these, in this list, 11 out of the 20 are Muslim countries. That's fascinating, too, Muslim countries. There is a great uh, movement among nations, uh, Muslim, Muslim nations. Uh, what's very interesting w- w- about this is how, how the, the Scripture has been translated. This has, has enabled uh, uh, people have access to the Bible. People have access to literature of the Bible. So people are reading. These Muslim peoples are reading it because sometimes you can't go there, but they're finding information online. They're finding audio books online. They're reading the Bible online. So that has um, encouraged the spread of the gospel among the Muslim nations. Fervent prayer has been a major aspect. There's the 30 days of, of, of Usually each year there's a, there's a group of ministry, uh, people that have a 30 days of prayer for the Muslim nation. So for the, these past 20 years, so many people have been praying for the Muslim nations. And there's been a, a, over 69 Muslim movements that's been taking place. A Muslim movement is a, a movement where it's at least 20,000 people in, in a particular area that's been popping up of Christians. And at least 100 churches have been popping up in a particular region. There's been 69 all throughout these, these areas. Of, these, uh, of the unreached people groups of, of where the 1040 window is. It's really fascinating to see what God is doing. Um, it's also interesting, with the rise of ISIS, people are so disillusioned with Islam as well that they're, they're just rejecting their faith. A lot of them are just are staying on because they realize they're going to just die if they can go anywhere else. They are forced to stay on. But whenever they see, um, hear about the gospel, they see the hope, they see the love, they see God. A lot of them will experience dreams and visions of, of a man in white 
and they, they will, they'll go, they, some of them know it's Jesus, some of them don't know what it is, but if they've heard of, of the name of Jesus, they, they recognize that it's him. Oftentimes they'll find a missionary and say, I've, you know, I, I know I'll get in trouble, but I, I keep seeing this, uh, having a dream of this man in white. Tell me about him. It's like they're coming to the Christians and saying, tell me about Jesus, because God is moving by the power of the Holy Spirit there. So it's very encouraging. Very encouraging. What's also fascinating is seeing God is advancing the kingdom not by the West, but God is using other nations to, to send out missionaries to, these, to the 1040 window. You see many in, in Latin America, many from Nigeria and the Philippines and China and, and Korea, South Korea, are advancing into these areas. That's very encouraging too. God is moving. Um, now it's very important for us to know we are all part of God's kingdom. We all have a, of, of a part to play in reaching the lost. We all have to do it. It's our responsibility, but also it's our joy. It's a privilege to take part in what God is doing in the nations. But what can we do? Specifically, what can we do? Patrick made mention of this earlier, of Romans 10, 14, and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So we see two aspects here. Someone has to preach to them face to face. Someone has to go. But someone has to also send them there. I've heard it illustrated this way. Of a man was trapped into a well. And in order to rescue this man who was, who was laying down there almost half dead, it, it would take two guys to rescue this man. One would have to go into the well by a rope, and the other one would have to be on top holding the rope, helping the man who was helping the other man. So in both aspects, both these people, their hands were both getting burned by the rope because it's very difficult to pull out. So whether you're going or sending, there's sacrifices involved. So we have to ask, uh, I've heard it was said by John Piper, he says, as a Christian, we are either going, sending, or disobeying. He said, we are either going, sending, or disobeying. So we have to ask ourselves, which one are we? Which one are we? So what I want to do also do from, now, from now on is let you see how are some practical ways that we can take part in sending and going. First of all, going, I'm praying that many people from this church will actually go to the mission field, whether it's full-time or part-time. I want to encourage you to pray about that. Maybe God has already been speaking on, on your heart about going. I want to encourage you to go. Retired folk, whenever Yoshiko and I, we were in Cambodia, we saw many retired families there. They said, we don't want to as Piper said, collect seashells on the beach the rest of her days. We want to serve the Lord the rest of her days. You know, there are, a lot of them were teaching English. A lot of them were, were serving. Their special skill that they might have had with a missions organization or whatever, but they were, they were serving. They just wanted to serve because now they actually had the freedom to do that. They had the freedom to go, freedom to do that. We also see um, in the back, I have um, this little booklet here how you can actually be a tent maker 
you can go as a tent maker or go as someone. You can just do your job, specifically what you're doing here, just do it there. In many of these Muslim countries, you'll pay, be paid far more than you would be paid here. You, you know, that's really an uh, encouraging aspect as well. You don't have to really raise funds. You can just go and work there. But this little booklet will kind of give you a, an idea of how you can just at least start thinking about that, start, start praying. It has some very practical ideas of what, what, to, what to do and get started. Now, ESL teachers are in high demand there. That Many people want to speak English, learn English. So you have a great opportunity there. Um, uh, what we can do here as well in the States is reach these unread people groups that are in our neighborhoods. This ministry called ICX, what we've been already, already telling you about, is this, this ministry is involved in helping church members get connected with these unreached people groups. These, the listing that you're here, you see the, 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 uh, the prayer cards? We've ran into four or five people who are from our unreached people group that you're going to be even praying for. We met them at this student outreach. There's one particular one that uh, Yoshiko and I really engaged in, in uh, building a relationship with, a friendship with, and they've already had opportunity to hear the gospel. It's really amazing. We have an opportunity to reach unreached people groups that are in our neighborhoods. That's so powerful. What an opportunity. Just imagine if... We have an opportunity. They are here. They hear the gospel, and they go back. Many of them will go back because they're here studying. They will go back to their own country. A lot of these people, the fact, very, very fact that they can come here to America to study means that they are the cream of the crop from their own country, from their own people group. The very fact that they can have enough money to buy a plane ticket to come here and go to college here, they are the top 1% of their own nation to be able to do that. Imagine them going back with the gospel, affecting the high people in their society and in their nation, reaching the gospel, bringing the gospel to them. And we have an opportunity to do that. Imagine that. Imagine that. It's interesting here. A lot of, in, in Houston alone, a lot of the refugees and um, immigrants that are here come from Cuba, Iraq, Congo, and Somalia. So that, that's kind of the uh, but there's overall, there's over 350 different unreached people groups in the United States uh, today. They're from all these different unreached people groups. Now, um, we can also take part, not only going, but sending. Now, um, there's a lot of opportunities we have to support missionaries in the back. Um, we have these little cards showing the different missionaries that we as a church want to support. We want to have more and more in the future, but for now, this is what we want to do. But what we'd like to do, encourage you to take some cards home and pray for these people. Think about them. Continually um, uh, put them in your mind daily and uh, pray for them. Lord God, use them mightily. And um, sometimes pray how you can bless them as well, maybe sending a care package uh, over the holidays or something. Because when Yoshiko and I, we were overseas as missionaries, we, we really like receiving packages. So it's like over Christmas, maybe just bless a family, you know, sending a care package. Uh, that would be so encouraging. And also, uh, maybe we want to encourage you to, to prayerfully consider how you can actually support them. Whether it's $10 a month, $100 a month, whatever, consider how you can even pray, uh, prayerfully, considerably supporting them. We want to do that, make that available for you. Now, um, uh, what we can also, what, what, there's a group ministry called 
you've heard of the Gospel Coalition, I'm sure, right? The Gospel Coalition. If you're a good performed person, I'm sure you've heard the Gospel Coalition. If you, if you haven't, raise your hand. No, I'm teasing. Um, we pray for your salvation. No, I'm teasing. Um, now, the Gospel Coalition has this international aspect of their ministry where they have what's called packing hope. They have, um, if, you, if you know someone who's going overseas, all you got to do is contact them and say, hey, I need 20 books of this particular books in, in this particular language. Send it to me. They'll send it to you for free, and you can bring these books overseas and give them to the local pastor. I've been talking to some of the guys here in this church who are working with uh, different businesses that give them an opportunity to go travel. I want to network with them and help them and maybe uh, get them connected with missionaries or pastors where, where maybe where they are going and help us supply the books material for them to bring this material for them to freely dis- distribute because oftentimes it's very difficult to get books over there, uh, very good theological books. But with this uh, Gospel Coalition, they have what's called the Theological Famine Relief Program where they'll take a book like maybe... Uh, Uh, John Piper's book or one of Jonathan Edwards' book, and they would translate it in a particular language. And what you could do, you can even log in and say, I want to, they'll have a list of all the books they want translated. Books they're translating now and other books they're translating, they want to have translated in the future, but they're needing funds for it. You can actually sign up and say, I want my community group to be responsible for, for translating A.W. A. Pink's book on the attributes of God in this particular language. And it would be, it would be about $2,000, for example. And what we did at Veritas, we, one of our community groups, we took, took it on ourselves to really raise support for this one book. And what, what we did, we, we took these, the Pringle cans and we put the, a sign around it you know, about the A.W. Uh, Pink's book, Tozer, I'm sorry, uh, we want to raise support. So we would like bring pennies and stuff each week and have the kids get some pennies and, and we raise money for this book. And so what a great opportunity we have to, to help with the theological famine relief, raising money for these books to be translated in these languages so that they can grow in maturity and knowledge of God's word. What an opportunity we have to take part in that. Now, another great opportunity we have is the with Wycliffe Bible Translation. I'm sure you've heard of that as well. Wycliffe Bible Translation. Um, this ministry, there's others like it, but they, they want to, to, to translate the Bible in each one of these different people groups in their own home language, mother tongue. They are estimating that by 2025, they could at least, at least get started translating the Bible in every uh, language, every people group, people group's language by 2025. Think about that. Imagine the Bible in the home mother language, mother tongue of each one of these people groups. And we can take part in that as well. Um, but it's exciting to see what God is doing. Um, God's end goal, God's end goal, if you look at Revelation 7, 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude with no one could count from every nation, every nation and all tribes and tongues and standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is God's end goal. Believe it or not, this is God's idea. It's not that something I'm making up or Patrick's making up. This is God's idea. This is God's thing. This is what God is wanting to do. I don't know why I didn't translate. 
This is what God is wanting to do. And we get to take part and just go along for the ride. I love what it says in, um, in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. It's not like we're just going, but we're going with all of his authority that he has, all of his power and might. That's what we're going with. That's the only thing that can enable us to do that. We're going with his strength. I like what it says also in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 to 6. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant. We're not doing this on our own strength. We're going with the power of God, with authority of Christ himself, who wants us to go and has called us to go. So we get to take part in doing this. And just think about how liberating it is, knowing that we're just the messengers. It's God, God is the one who does all the hard work, the labor of opening eyes to the gospel. That's the hard work. I remember when we were in, in Japan, um, I would, we were asked to, or actually me, Yoshi couldn't do it, but I was asked to help this farmer um, plant this rice field. Now, it wasn't like the, what you see in pictures, hard labor. We actually had a tractor. You know, I was riding this tractor, and, uh, and we were planting all these seeds. Um, during the planting season, bam, 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 you know. And then it was fun. I took my pictures, you know, and posted them on Facebook, on and on. So I did my thing. And so, uh, and so we left that day. Several months later, we get a call. Hey, why don't you come help me harvest this, Okay. And um, so, cool, it's great. So we went back. I got to get on the tractor again. I was, it was a columbine now, a small, tiny columbine. Combine. Thank you for um, listening to audio from Genesis Community Church. To find out more, visit us online so cool. at genesiscommunity.church. Actually, we're like the farmer. We, we, we plant, but we can also harvest. But that farmer did all the hard work, all the labor, you know. Um, I just came and just harvested it just made me think that God is the one who does all the hard work. We plant, but, but God is the one who, who does all the hard work. God is the one who makes, the action, makes it actually grow, makes the eyes open. And actually, harvesting is just so easy. You just come in and just dump, get all the rice, dump it in the truck. But God is the one who does all the hard work. It's all his power and all his strength. And that should be so encouraging for us because it does seem to be a daunting task over 16,000 unreached people groups that are not, how are we going to do that? But God has a strategy. God has a goal. All we have to do is take part in what God has enabled us to do while he's also enabling millions of other Christians to do the same thing. We're just taking part and have, we can just have joy in Jesus and serving him and being used of him, knowing that we're just taking part in this such a great grand scheme of what he's doing. And we should not be discouraged, oh, America's, oh, the, the, the Christianity is, is tanking. But we can't get, wrap our minds around that. We've got to think God is moving in the nations. And what a privilege we have to take part in what he is doing. What he is doing, the sad thing, the main thing that hinders us is we just don't like to get out of our comfort zone. That's a very sad thing. Where the nations are at our doorstep, the nations are here. 
we can take part in sending people there, take part in all these aspects of ministries, of, of uh, Bible translation. There's so many wonderful things we can do. In the back, I also have this little pamphlet here. It's how we can actually get involved with unreached peoples. Really awesome pamphlet. Just a bunch of ideas front and back. All this came from the Joshua Project ministry. Really good stuff. But I want to encourage you, really just, really just dive in and pray. But prayer is so crucial. Prayer is the key as well. Um, I like what it says in Matthew 9, 37, 38. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers at the harvest field. So prayer is a solid aspect of what we have to do. But it's so interesting, the very next chapter, after Jesus told them to pray, he also sent them out. And so we are to pray, but we are also to take part in and go. So I'm going to encourage you to do that as we close. But lastly, what I want to do is to pray for the unreached people groups. Uh, in front of you, you have these little cards. That is one unreached people group. There's one specific unreached people group. But what I want you to do, not only just pray today, but I want you to take this card home and continually pray for them. Pray that the Lord will send for laborers. Pray that someone will reach these people. So I want to put it on your fridge. Just put it in a place you will not forget. But just continually pray and have God to continually put these people on your heart and pray for them, all right? But let's pray right now. I have a list of prayer prayers that we want to pray, that what I'm going to do is I'm going to just let us all pray together. I'm not going to pray, and I'm going to finish at the end, okay? But here's a list of prayers. Pray the Lord will send forth laborers to the harvest field. Second one is that God may open to us a door for the word. Pray for open doors. Thirdly, pray that the words may be given to me, that I may proclaim boldly the mystery of the gospel. And the fourth one here is pray for us, that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. That's what we want to pray. So I want to encourage you. Let's, guys, let's just pray right now. Amen. And I'll finish up.